Coming to you from North Central Ohio, we share with you the Voice of the Nazarene, a week-by-week venture into the Word of God sponsored by the Bucyrus, Ohio Church of the Nazarene. We join our pastor, Reverend Ray LaSalle, and the Voice of the Nazarene. Good morning. I want to speak to you about four uplifting looks. Everybody's looking around trying to find hope in these days. Somebody said the picture of the world is that of gloom and uh, despair. Internationally, as well as domestically, there's all kinds of complex problems that seems to be lurking on the horizon. Jesus warned that at the end of the age, there'd be a distress of nations with perplexity. And I think we are seeing the fulfillment of that literally before our own eyes. And then, too, there's personal problems. Everybody's got a, a luggage bag full of problems. 
and uh, carting those things around, trying to figure out how to make life work. And so you wonder, which way do you look? You can't look within to find the answer. Certainly looking out, you can't find the answer. Governments nearly closed all of the businesses with the uh, uh, virus, so to speak. And what they didn't get closed, the thugs have uh, looted and burned down uh, building after building, business after business. These are discouraging times. And nobody dares speak up because of political correctness. But I'd like to say there is a way to look. I was trying to talk to the Lord in my prayer life this week, trying to find direction, not only for this service, but for my own life. For all of this is very confusing. It's very fearful, and uh, it's very perplexing. Certainly, it creates despondency. So where do we look? I was amazed to find the Bible offers four upward looks of hope. And as we face the most unusual year of history, in our own lifetime, here's the four places you need to look. One, look to the Scriptures. Whatever you do, believe in the Scriptures. James chapter 1, verse 25, Who looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein shall be blessed in his deeds. It's good to look to the Word of God. In the late 1700s when our little group of colonies began to stand up against their old mother country and against the tariffs and, and the taxation and no representation. And, and many of the colonists fled across the boundaries up into Canada and established another government. Very few of them wanted to fight against the king. And only a handful, one of the smallest percentages you could even imagine, said that we believe that we could have a country of our own. Meeting together in that delegate room, a delegation convention, it was literally in chaos. The, the delegation wanted, everybody wanted something different. Some favored states' rights. Others wanted a stronger central government. Larger states wanted a greater representation. Small states wanted an equal voice. The debate dragged on and on, and finally the committee chairman admitted the situation is hopeless. And the small progress we have made is hardly worthwhile. And about that time, the oldest delegate in the gathering, 81 years of age, struggled to his feet. And he said to the chairman of the committee, Sir, I have lived long. And the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see of this truth that God governs the affairs of men. Inciting the Bible, he said, if a sparrow can fall from the sky and God would notice it, certainly there's no empire that can rise without his aid. We've been assured, sir, in the sacred writings that except the Lord build the house, they that labor, labor in vain. And he said, I firmly believe this. The speaker was Benjamin Franklin, thought of as not a real devout Christian, yet in a time of crises, found himself turning to the Scripture for aid. At 81 years of age, in the middle of a debate, he turned to God's Word. And together they wrote the greatest constitution, I believe, ever known in the history of this world, the Constitution of the United States of America. 
Now, if Benjamin Franklin would want to turn to the Scripture in a time of American crises, may I ask, where do you turn in a time of trouble? Where do you turn for encouragement? Where do you turn for truth? May I say in the Scriptures, if you're discouraged, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Worried? The Scripture says, Casting all our care upon him, for he careth for us. Lonely? I will never leave thee. Comfortless, I will come to you. God is our refuge, the psalmist said, and our, our strength and a very present help in a time of trouble. Distress? Well, the righteous cry and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all of their troubles. Confused? God's not the author of confusion. He said, I will instruct thee and teach thee in all the ways thou shalt go. A Christian family, a young couple, had moved to a new town, and the only place they could find to live was a little rental. It was located on the worst side of town. They moved in poverty and and, and everything was bad in that area, trying to be Christians, trying to reach out to their neighbors. They had gone over to announce that they had moved into the little house and were renting it for a while and that they had come to pastor in that little, little town, knocked on the door and they were invited in and it was worse inside than they could even imagine. As they were leaving, that young Christian pastor turned to that couple and said, I don't know if you realize it, but you have the greatest treasure that it can ever be found. And if you ever find it, you'll be rich. Well, he had noticed an old dusty Bible on a broken down end table. They turned and walked out of the door. That family looked at one another and said, what treasure is he talking about? That if we ever discovered it, if we find it, we'll be rich, we'll be wealthy. They began to search their house. What is it he had seen they had never noticed? And they searched and they searched and finally give up. And then the mother of the house picked up that old dusty Bible and opened it amazingly turned. And the first scripture she read was Psalm 119.72, Thy testimonies are better to me than thousands of gold and silver. And she thought to herself, this has to be the treasure that our neighbor spoke about. She began to read the Bible and got her kids reading the Bible. And together, things began to change in that house. And by the time there was a knock at their door and they invited the neighbor in, they could not believe how that home had changed. And they said, everything has changed. They said, we found the treasure you were talking about. And I want you to know that in the scriptures, everything that you need, I found in a time when I've lacked wisdom, I could go to God for, for answers and find him in his word. He'll direct you to your job, to your finances, how to build character, how to have a good lifestyle, how to have a happy home, and about relationships. And most of all, he'll direct us to Christ. If any man lack wisdom, James said, he should ask God who giveth generously to all. I'm saying, first of all, if you're going to take a good look, look away from the world and its problems and look to the Scripture. The world tells you there is no God, but this old book tells me there is a divine designer behind the universe. There in the University of Southern California, a required class was being taught by a professor of philosophy. 
He despised the concept of God, did not believe any kind of a God existed. And he made it his life's calling to destroy the faith of every student that would go through his class. He would average about 300 per semester. For 20 years, he destroyed the faith of students that came through and defied anyone on the last day of class to stand and to say, I believe in God. He said, if you do, you're a fool. Nobody wanted to stand up against him. And so 20 years had passed. Even some Christian kids had slipped through that class, but fearful of standing up against him. One day a freshman took the required class, 300 students. He taught infidelity and atheism and, and uh, the whole concept there is no God, there's no designer behind the universe. We're in an accident. He came to the closing day of class and he did what he would do every year at the end of the semester. He would take a piece of chalk and he'd hold it up and he said, if there's a God, I'm going to do a simple little act. I'll drop this chalk on the tile floor. If there's a God and if he has any energy at all, let him keep the chalk from busting up when it hits the floor. He'd drop it and shatter and he'd laugh. And he'd say to the student body, proves to you there is no God. He can't even stop a piece of chalk from bursting. That day he stood before the class. Back there yonder was a freshman who had been reading his Bible for three months knowing that he was going to face that time when the professor would call their faith into account. And did he have the courage to stand? And the professor asked the student body there in the classroom, I've got a piece of chalk. I'm going to drop it. It'll hit that floor. It'll shatter. And if there's a God, a simple little task, can he keep that piece of chalk from busting apart. I'm proving to you there is no God. Is there anybody here that still believes in God? And that young freshman stood to his feet and the professor said, you fool. And the students turned and looked at him and they were muttering among themselves. And he said, just to prove that you're a fool, he took the piece of chalk held it out, and he said, when I drop it, watch it shatter. There is no God. And suddenly the piece of chalk slipped out of his finger, bounced off of his cuff, came off the edge of his shirt and traveled down the pleats of his trouser and hit his shoe and rolled onto the floor all in one piece. His jaw dropped. Student body began to laugh, and he turned and walked out of the classroom. And that young Christian a boy stood to his feet and he said, I want to give a testimony of my faith. There is truly a God. You find God when you look into the scripture. You're not going to find him out there on the streets. You're not going to find him in the halls of our government or our great educational systems that have long ago lost the fires of revival and become seedbeds of infidelity. Look to the scriptures. Look in the scriptures. Sir Isaac Newton, the father of modern space travel, declared, we account the scriptures of God to be the most sublime philosophy. Sir William James said the Bible contains more true solemnity, exquisite beauty, more pure morality, more important history and finer strains of poetry and eloquence that can be collected from all other books in whatever age or language they may have been written. I want to tell you, people have found the answer when they have turned and looked into the scriptures through the years.
And in the, the Word of God, you'll find the problem with sin in our world, and you'll find a Savior that can save you from your sins. Our problem, our problem is not skin. Our problem is sin. Our problem is not race. Our problem is a lack of grace. And when you want to find the real answer, get into this book. There's where the answers are. Secondly, if you're going to take a look, look to the fields, the Scripture said. And in John 4, 35, look on the fields. They're white already to harvest. Now, he's not talking about a farmer. He's not talking about corn or wheat. It's only a little illustration. He's saying, look at the souls of mankind. Don't only look at the Scripture, but you need to see people as souls. If you've ever gazed upon the multiplied uh, humanity, masses of humanity, and seen the thousands, people with nowhere to go, no direction in life. I've walked through the streets of the iron market. If you've ever been in Calcutta, more than 30,000 sleep dirtily out there on the sidewalks without a home. Go to California, go to New York City, right here in America, the masses a poor lost humanity, and he said, look on the fields. Several reasons. One, it'll help you to realize the only hope is Christ. The government can't save us. Government's given us handouts till the government's broke. They're seeking your vote, but they don't have the answers. Education doesn't have the answer. Science doesn't have the answer. They can't give life. The scriptures. And looking at the lost around us suddenly begin to Help us to realize only Christ can save. It also puts a burden on our hearts for the lost. It's said that the great evangelist in the past decade, Billy Sunday, the converted baseball player, he would hold meetings. This is back before they had large palladiums and other places to meet. And so he'd send workers in advance and they would build a 10,000 seat tabernacle. And people would come and he would preach there for months on end and people were converted. Billy Sunday would get discouraged and, and he would get worn out with it and he said, my heart would become hard and my mind would become blurred and he said, to catch a fresh vision. He said, I'd go to a large city. I'd rent a hotel room up high up where I could look out on the streets. He said at night as the street lights came on and thousands upon thousands are passing by aimlessly, he said, I'd press my face against the window pane and see the lost crowd and say, God, what can Billy Sunday do to reach the lost? And there's something about seeing those who are lost gives us a fresh burden for where souls are going to be spending eternity. Thirdly, we're to look for the second coming of Christ. Look to the scriptures. Look upon the souls. Look at the second coming. He said, unto those that look for him shall he appear the second time. He already came a first time back at Calvary's cross. When he returns, it'll be a second time without sin unto salvation. Hebrews 9.28. Titus 2.13 says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our Lord. There's another little scripture that jumped out at me this morning. It says that when you see these things come to pass, look up. Lift up your head. Break contact with this world. Make contact with that world. Why? Because your redemption draweth near. 
Something is saying on the inside of me that we are closer to the end times in a real special way than we've ever dreamed or realized. It's happening, and we'd better be where we ought to be spiritually. The book of Acts, the followers of our Lord stood gazing into the heavens when Jesus departed into the clouds. Two men in white apparel said to that crowd gathered below, as you have seen him depart, so shall he come in like manner. And one day from the clouds of glory, Jesus Christ will reappear. As the cloudy skies of Noah's day told of coming judgment, so the cloudy skies of our time reminds us of the return of a blessed Redeemer. I believe it's a trick of the devil to get us to look everywhere else for the answer. But to look at the scriptures and to look upon lost souls and to look for the second coming of Jesus Christ. The greatest weapon somebody said that the devil ever had was discouragement. In the last few months, I've never seen such despondency. The news media says nothing about the multiplied numbers of those who've committed suicide in just the last few, few months. People who are broken and discouraged. Last of all, look unto Jesus. He said, the author and finisher of our faith, Hebrews 12, 2. What's he talking about? Look to the Savior. How the shadows of life fall quickly when we look away from our problems and our suffering and we look to the Savior. I stood in our own local hospital some good time ago, several years ago. Family gathered around. The individual on the bed suffering greatly. You could see it's the pain on their face. There was also the grieving of leaving little grandkids behind. And the family was sorrowing but trying to keep the tears back. And the nurse came in and said, do you need a little bit more pain medication? We get up the morphine count just a little more. And they said, no, I don't want to cross the line to where... I don't say goodbye to the family. Leave me off that last little bit. The awful pain on their face. The sorrow in their eyes. And then suddenly there was just a peace. And the etched lines of suffering begin to ease off of their face. And a smile gently begin to glow across their countenance. And a little whisper, I see Jesus. And there will be something about seeing his face. All other problems it will erase. Joe Roster, who once said, God will never be known unless he reveals himself in human form. Did you know that God did that in Christ? Socrates once despaired, oh, that someone would arise, God or man, to show us God. And God did that in Jesus Christ. In Stuttgart, Germany, Stands a statue that was sculptured by the hands of Don Necker. He was probably the most famous sculpture they had in that part of the world at the time. And he created a statue of Christ. And what he was trying to say was, God manifest in flesh. That's what it said below the statue. What an impossible task. I mean, how can you put love in cold marble. How can you put the imminent being into a cold stone? And how can you capture the glory of God and conceal it in a rock? Do you know that Christ 
wants to help us in our daily needs. If you're having a marital situation, he wants to help you. Don't just grieve for one another and don't just go pout. Talk to God about it. If you're having a problem trying to raise the kids, why don't you include God and begin to look into his scriptures? Fact of the matter, a careful study of the scriptures revealed that more than 50% of the record of all Jesus said and did was directed at everyday problems. Now the serpent carved out a hammered out of brass that Moses held up for everybody to see and said, if you look, you live. Today I want to hold up Jesus Christ and tell you the same God that cured those diseases Israelites as they took a look. The same Christ that we hold up to you today can deal with the problems in your home and in your life. Take four uplifting looks for the remainder of this year. Don't get all tied up and get in the political correct crowd and worry about all this, that, and the other. Look to the scripture. Look at souls. Keep your mind on the second coming and always look to the Savior. Don't put your head in the sand. Don't try to get off the grid. You can't hide. Don't think about quitting. Dad used to say to me when there was a problem, now you folk never had a problem at your house, but at my brother's house we had problems. And Dad would try to get our attention and he would say, Son, look at me. Maybe my brother and I would be in one of our tussles. Dad would say, look at me. He was wanting our attention. I believe that the Heavenly Father is saying, Look to me, all ye ends of the earth, and be saved. These are times when I'm simply saying to all of us, if you ever need a church, we need church now. We need fellowship together now. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the custom of some is. But exhorting one another, that means encouraging each other. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. If you got any problems, try to lay them down. Got any grudges, get rid of them. You got any agendas, forget them. We've got one thing to keep in mind, that day is approaching. And you and I had better take the right look and know where we're looking to whom we're looking. Father, we thank you for these few moments together as we leave this house and as we're dismissed row by row. And as we walk out of here dropping a little offering in to support your kingdom, as we walk away, may the, may the burden that you have for us be the load that you share. Not as the world gives, but you give a peace with the loads that you put on our backs and upon our hearts. We walk out of here thinking about unsafe family, neighbors that need God. And while there's a lot of turmoil everywhere that we look, may there be an inner peace that nobody else can describe because we have looked to you and that's where we're going to continue to look. We thank you, Lord, and we love you because we know that you loved us first. Now go with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
And I'd like for us to stand. I'd like the back row to be dismissed first. And uh, the second row, bring some house lights up if you would. It'd be nice to know where you're going. Thanks for being a part of the Voice of the Nazarene. Visit us every Sunday at 9 a.m. with BNC's pastor, Ray LaSalle. For more information regarding BNC, visit BusirisNazarene.org.